You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. Luna surface on a Saturday night, dressed up in silver and white, with colored old grey whistle-test lights. Good evening, welcome to 3CR Dialogues. I'm Meg Kimber and I'm joined in the studio by Luke Yu, who is a zine maker, a very experienced, long time <laughs> zine maker. <laughs> I've just discovered making the zine Yu every week since 2001 and also knows a lot about other people's zines from working as a coordinator at Sticky Institute and running the small zine. Small Zine Volcano Distro. Yeah. 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 Thanks for coming in, Luke. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, so let's maybe get started with your own zine making. 2001, have you ever made a zine before or uh, what happens to inspire you? Yeah, it was a big year for me, 2001. Yeah. It was good times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started reading zines, I reckon, about 1991. Mm-hmm. I started making them in about 1993. Wow. And then in 2001, I started my Zenu and also was one of the people who started up Sticky Institute. Mm. And I've kind of, I've just kind of done that <laughs> ever since. <laughs> Tell, what was the first zine that you read? Do you remember? Oh, I used to pick up a lot of stuff at Polyester Books. Uh-huh. I remember that um, place excellent place yeah. to get zines in the 90s yeah missing link when it was still on flinders lane okay oh yeah punk zines. don't know that one. Oh man it was good yeah. <laughs> and also a go-go which huh. it used to be oh, it's just off elizabeth street in the city i'm gonna say little latrobe is it, it still there no it so it was there for many years and was completely amazing mm-hmm. and then it moved across the alleyway to bigger premises and just didn't catch. Mm-hmm. But it was good in terms of zines there. When I started reading them there, 91, 2, 3, they had lots of zines. There was a big zine explosion in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Zines are hot. I'm mm. kind of old enough to remember when zines <laughs> were hot a few times <laughs> around. Mid-90s, really hot. So at a go-go, you had tall, vertical, spinny racks wow. full of zines. Wow. So you could spin it round and pull your zines out. And then... In about 98, the spinny rack, they got rid of the spinny racks and mm-hmm. the zines went into cardboard boxes. And you had so to you like saw through them like a record yeah, store? not as no. good. Okay. And then <laughs> in 2000, they put the cardboard boxes on the floor on, under the counter. What? Because zines like, were not as popular? They just weren't hot at that okay, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and so then at that point, I remember thinking, I was in the record shop and I was looking at the records thinking, I don't think... I like these records as much as the zines <laughs> under the counter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, can should the zines be under the counter? Because they're underground, that's fine. Yeah. Should they be under the counter or could they survive as yeah. the featured object? Interesting. So then we opened Sticky just at that time and we tried to make them the featured object and it worked in the space for yeah. us. So yeah. it was a good thing. So it was like really linked into a kind of a punk music scene? Uh, yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. Bit, yeah, I was more, a bit more kind of indie rock, I guess, right. than punk rock. But it all came together for me. There was a zine, Ian McIntyre and Laura McFarlane made a zine called Woozy, which still, I, oh, 
I'm blushing just thinking about it. It was an amazing <laughs> team. So they were they were Perth based and then moved over to Melbourne and oh. continued making woozy and it was a crazy scene. It was very political but very funny at the same time. And then it was very they both play in the band ninety nine and it was very strongly linked to the music scene. And so I would go to launches of Woozy. Yeah. I remember going to one which was at the Punners Club and they were launching sometimes came with a CD and the CDs were amazing like I was just really blown away but mm. you'd go into the Punners Club and there'd be a table with the zines on it and other zines mm-hmm. and I remember this one there was a band called Fong playing 99 were playing and then they had various bands that they'd play in Mm-hmm. So there was like other bands like 99 had played, but with only two thirds of them and they call themselves 66. <laughs> and then there was like New Waver and all these other bands, which were just very unusual, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. DIY bands. Yeah. And I was kind of young and it was exciting mm-hmm. and they'd risograph them. They'd get them printed at this place in Collingwood called Pulp and Pigment, which yeah. would do risograph. And so the pages would be different right. colors. Each page would be a different so color. Lithograph is like printing through a printer, but you have like three, la- th- three or more layers of different colors. Yeah. Is that right? So yeah. it's, re- it's really it's a cross between photocopying and yeah. screen printing. So yeah. you can do an individual color, and then you can go on top of that and on top yeah. of that. But Pop and Pigment used to do this, and they're amazing. But on this particular night when we went, I remember going in and thinking this is the most amazing thing ever, and mm-hmm. looking around the room, and there was only like 25 people there or whatever. And I was like, why isn't there like 25,000 here? And then one of the bands came out and they thanked everyone. They thanked everyone by their first name. Everyone in the room. Yeah, they thanked everyone. And then they got to the end of the line and me and my partner Anya were there and they said thanks to the new people. And it was like, yes, I'm sold. I'm in. Yeah, completely. So I'd always pick up Woozy. It would have different formats. It would be, you know, big sometimes, Mm -hmm. small. Mm. They'd do themes. One of them was found photographs, I remember. They put out this CD called the Trianti Long Trianti Long Tigong Wongo or something it was okay. called and it had all these bands like Baseball 99 Fong Masonite and it was like wow this scene is incredible cool and it was like yes that's for me and if anyone's listening and they've got this far and they don't know what a zine is <laughs> <laughs> should we explain <laughs> yes we should we should alright so my definition is an independent publication right it's usually made by an individual or a small group of individuals yeah usually is photo often it is mm-hmm. photocopied mm-hmm. um Usually it's, it can be free or it's very cheap. Mm. Um, usually it doesn't have any advertising and it's always made for love and not for profit. Mm-hmm. So that's my position. There's, there will be zines on the shelf in Sticky right now which break all of those rules and can still be a zine. Mm. But that's kind of my, that's mm-hmm. always my starting position. The intention being one of the main things is that it's, in a way, not for profit, and but for the art of it. Or yeah, definitely. But yeah. I mean, and you you will see people who get into it, <laughs> and they think they are going to make a profit, and they go away disappointed. You know, well, they go away really quickly because <laughs> oh, right. you're not yeah. going to make a profit. So once they realise that, yeah, it's the yeah, go and you know do that somewhere yeah. else because you're not going to make a profit here. And the Sticky Institute is a, a dedicated zine space in Campbell Arcade in the city. Yep. And I've been in there and I feel like you do feel the love. Like you feel the fact that people are doing what – everything that's made in there is made because people really care about what they're making. And, yeah. And there's yeah. something not necess- something positive about other people 
being able to access and enjoy what they've made. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the whole place is just a complete miracle. Like, mm. it kind of shouldn't exist in the first place. Like, we, the genius of Sticky Institute was when we were opening it, Simone Ewenson, who's kind of the, was the original idea for Sticky, she approached Platform Artist Group, who ran that space as their office space. So they ran the arts cabinets outside yes. in the subway. Yep. So they used that as an office space, and they'd use it like one day a fortnight to meet with artists. I, and so she asked them if we could use their office space uh-huh. as our shop space yep. and then because it's a because the gallery is a public space no one sat the gallery so we kind okay. of sold it with the idea that we'd, we'd be sitting in the gallery yep. people can come and ask questions about the exhibition mm. and so it meant and we ran the space like that for the first seven years wow. so it meant we didn't pay any rent or have any bills and we were all volunteers because the original the artists who were using that gallery space in the arcade they weren't paying any rent for that space so the coordinators of that space they would apply for funding. Uh, so, they were, so that was Platform Artist Group, which is a yeah. really kind of important um, historical space in terms of artist-run spaces yeah. in Melbourne. So they kind of really initiated them and West Space were kind of the early artist-run spaces. Mm. And, and you talk to Richard and Andrew who set it up, and when they moved to that space in the late 90s, which is not that long ago, mm. um the Grave Street where you see all them cafes now, it mm. was just like three garbage bins. <laughs> and everyone, <laughs> a and the, literal the city, alleyway. Literal yeah. alleyway. Yeah. And it was dead. And everyone went home at five oh. o'clock and it was completely gone. And now you go there and there's like 500 people sat there at, you know, kind of fancy cafes. Yeah. And that's not that long ago. But they, those shops down in Campbell Arcade were not very activated at the mm-hmm. time. So they approached the city of Melbourne got permission to use the space and then we managed to mm-hmm. just kind of work with them for seven years mm. and that was so really when we opened they said yes they'll do it mm. and then after two years they um Richard and Andrew both had babies and moved on so at that point Sticky probably should have disclosed and gone mm. away mm. Um, but they offered me mm. to be coordinator of platform and Sticky oh. so then I, I ran those two and Simone, who'd been running sticky work there as well, and then she went to Brisbane. And just when she went to Brisbane, because when you know, I I, actually, I I speak to a lot of students about mm. how we run the space, and you'll get you know kids doing whatever courses at uni, learning how to run businesses. And literally the way we set it up was over a cup of tea. Yeah. Simone said, "Do you want to help run this space?" And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, all right." Yeah. And that was that was literally it. And then we had 12 publications on the shelf the day we opened, and it took us a year to get to the point, because we all had slight different interests, like she was interested in stocking smaller artworks, there was right. a woman, Alex Dalgleish, who was curating artwork in the window, yeah. I was stocking zines, Richard and Andrew were running the art space in the corridor, so we all had different things, but I was bringing more and more zines yeah. to the space, and it just got to the point we were just about to sit down and have the awkward meeting where Luke is blocking too many zines. Yeah, it's coming. Can you slow yeah. down? And she met a boy and moved to Brisbane. So we didn't, the have, zines didn't have triumphed. <laughs> we didn't have a meeting. And she stayed there for two years. And by the time she came back, I remember the day she came back, these kids came in in school uniform and they, some of them said to the others, oh, this is that sticky zine shop I was telling you about. 
and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. we're a zine shop. And yeah, it was oh, like, yeah. And that was good for a zine. Yeah. Reader. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were happy about that. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. really happy. Yeah. So, and that's kind of been the way the space has operated. So really we've had, we've had emergencies every two to three years, which have almost closed us down. Yeah. But we've managed to, to keep survive. the doors open. Because it's quite unique, isn't it, in... Australia or it's, just yeah, like it's it's wildly crazy. Yeah. Like I did a I did an interview with Broken Pencil, which is uh-huh. a magazine about zines in Toronto, Canada during yep. the week. Yeah. And the first question they said was, "What is it with zines and Melbourne?" So they're doing an international issue where they're talking to people all around the world about their scenes, and they just said every single person is saying, "Oh well, you know, we look to Melbourne and we see that they've got this and yeah. this." And so yeah, it is, and it's part of it is ridiculous amounts of hard work, mm-hmm. but the other is it's just been really fortunate that we've had a space for the past 17 and a half years right and so if anyone's if anyone thinks oh zines what's going on with that i don't mm. think people make zines anymore mm. they just come into the space and we just hit them over the head with like a few hundreds or all a few thousand zines. yeah it's yeah. like there's a few thousand contemporary examples from all around the world yeah. it's like oh here's music zines here's some comics what kind of comics do you like oh what about these oh you like cooking zines look over here oh, yeah. do you like stuff from latvia look at these comics over <laughs> here yeah and then it's like oh there's lots of zines aren't they and it's like yeah <laughs> there's lots of things but it, and it's good and so when we get kids coming through you know we get a lot of students coming through and i always say to them look try and find something you like mm-hmm. try and find something you don't like when you find something you don't like try and do better than that and mm-hmm. bring the zine in mm-hmm. and it's all set up as a resource so 80 percent of the shelf price goes straight back to the makeup yeah, so we take awesome. a 20% cut, and that's enough to pay the rent on and the space. And lots of the zines are like two, three, four, five dollars. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it, over the 17 years we've been there, there's definitely been a push to yeah. the more professional, glossier end it's, of things. You feel like that's like how the scene has sort of evolved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we, so we run a zine fair every February called the Festival of the Photocopier and we started that 10 years ago just outside the shop. So we had 50 tables the first year. We ran it there for I think five we ran there and uh-huh. then we got in trouble from the fire brigade the last time because there was just Getting too many so people. There was, there was just too many people in the space. So we moved it then to the Melbourne Town Hall and last Last February, they tried to shut it down. We have to hire a fire warden as part of the event because it's so big now. They tried to shut it down with um, God knows how many thousand people because there was too many people it in the biggest room huge. of the town hall. Yeah, it's, it's I was there in February and it was like sensory overload yeah, and it's, amazingly it is, awesome. It is yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. So next year it is Sunday, February the 10th. Right. We've been trying all year. We're trying to go to a two-day fair, mm. but it's... Because just the n- amount of people... It's huge. Yeah, so we've yeah. always, it's always been free for zine makers. Yeah. It's free to get in, it's free to have a table, and we've wow. always fit everyone in. Mm. But we've reached the point now where we can't fit everyone in. Mm-hmm. So either next year we go to two days, mm. which has proved difficult because the city of Melbourne is very supportive to community organisations in that they run, there's a program they run called Community Use of the Melbourne Town Hall, and you can apply for that. Because we mm. used to apply for huge arts grants through them, which take three months to write. And then this lovely mm. person at the town hall told us, just apply for community use. It's <laughs> an A4 page. Do that. So we do Brilliant. that, which is wonderful. Yeah. But we make a $5,000 loss on the Whoa. day, and we kind of can't afford to do that anymore. Cause what it's is the expense, bigger, bigger. the fire and insurance and stuff like that? Um, it just goes up and up and up every year. So there's yeah. the fire warden we now have to pay for. We have to – the – 
wonderful City of Melbourne grant just covers higher of the space, mm. so it doesn't cover the higher of the tables, mm. higher of the chairs. We have to hire a fire warden, we have to hire a concierge to be on mm. the front door, and last year's was just after that terrible incident on Flinders Street last mm, year so there mm. was this heightened terrorism thing so now we have to hire bag checkers to get in oh. and we have to hire ushers wow. for inside the town hall as well so all of a sudden this event which we were covering yep. has doubled in price over three years yep. and we kind of yeah we've already making a five thousand dollar loss on it and we do oh. it because you know we want to we want to support yep. these makers, but it's kind of getting beyond what we can do. Mm. So we tried to apply for a grant, mm. and that's proving tricky. So we're still trying to figure out if it can go to a two-day. It's definitely locked in for the Sunday, February the 10th next year. Mm-hmm. And if we can make it go to the Saturday, we will. Mm. Otherwise, we'll continue mm. trying to figure out how to do that. Because, yeah, we've so we went from 50 stalls outside Sticky. It was really interesting. The next, So the first year, there was 50 stalls. Next year there was 65, next year there was 80, next year there was 95, year after that there was 110. So it got bigger by 15 tables every year. Mm. Then suddenly it went from 110 to 160 in 2012. Wow. Yep. And then it went up by 60 kind of the next two years after that. So I and thought we'd reach capacity yeah. and then it was like there's nowhere near capacity, there's heaps more people applying. Yeah. And But next year we're expecting yeah, 60 to 70 to not make it not make the cut so it'll be the first 300 to apply wow because there's just too many applicants wow let's take a little break and we'll be back in a minute with some more talk about zines sticky institute and creativity and on the way back never fall behind
That was the band The 99 playing Further. I'm here in the studio with Luke Yu, who's a zine maker and the coordinator at Sticky Institute and also runs the small zine volcano distribution list. Um, can you tell me a little bit about zine distribution? How does it work? How do people get zines if they want them and they're not in Melbourne? So, so you can, yeah, so Sticky runs as a shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we've experimented with online distribution a few times, which yep. hasn't kind of gone anywhere. This is something I was going to ask you. Is a zine, um, does it have to be printed? Do online zines exist or are they just blogs or something like that? Uh, there are. There are people who do that. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as you're concerned, a zine is printed. Uh, I'm interested in, in paper stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there are stuff which gets called online zines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't work with that mm-hmm. at all. And mm-hmm. I have no knowledge. I couldn't tell you any of them. Um, but Small Zine Volcano does have an online shop. Okay. So we update every week on Facebook and then you can get, so that, the way that distro works is you just pay whatever postage you want to pay and we send them as many zines as we can to that postage price. That's awesome. Yeah, so if they send us $10, we just get a box. Wow. And put like 200 zines <laughs> in it and send $10 them out. worth of zines. Yeah, which is great. That's and they're all free zines. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested because, because my zine is a free weekly zine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always interested in anything working in that kind of sphere. Right. So we get, you know, we stock stuff like Rot, which yeah. is a free zine from Melbourne. Right. Friday Night in West Ealing, which is a free zine from London in the UK, $50 minimum, which is from Brisbane. And so they're all weekly. Uh-huh. And then we've got other stuff like Meat Life Headache comes out whenever it feels like it. Ferndale comes out whenever. Uh-huh. And, yeah, they all just come together okay. on the website. What was the choice that you made in terms of, like, m- making your own zine a free zine? What's the idea behind that choice? Um, I'd been... So when that start, one of the reasons was so when when I started making you, there was two things which kind of really made me do that. Mm-hmm. The first one was we'd started Sticky kind of six months earlier. We didn't have any money. There was no advertising budget or anything. And Andrew, who was running Platform, said to me one day, "You know what? What could we do mm. in order to make this shop a bit busier?" <laughs> And real quick, I said, oh, we should get Sonic Youth to play in the corner every Saturday over there. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But something (laughs) in my head clicked. (laughs) It was like, no, we can't get them to play. But if we had like a free weekly zine, which people would come here for, then maybe that would be something that could work, which makes the zine sound this really awful kind of business transaction. (laughs) But the other thing, when it started, it was just after the September 11th attacks. And there was all these mysterious envelopes appearing all around the world, which were possibly containing anthrax. So, like, every day you'd have this news story about mysterious parcels. And I'd been making artwork at the time, which was... I was kind of working with found photographs and putting them up on the wall and mm. trying to make collages with them. And then I, just, I was coming to the realisation that I didn't like working with other people's stuff because mm. it was just kind of unethical. Mm. So I thought I could take my own photos and just throw them in the gutter for someone else to find. Mm. And then when these mysterious parcels started appearing, I thought, well, I could make my own mysterious parcels which would not contain anthrax but which would be containing this art project Mm. so i put out the first issue in november 2001 
and there was a Frida Kahlo exhibition on in Canberra. So I dropped them all around the city and then just got in the car and drove to Canberra. And I was really worried that there'd be it would cause problems. Yeah. Because it was just a, a, the first issue was just a white envelope with you stamped huh. onto it in this climate of possible anthrax parcels, and it didn't cause any problem whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no problem at all. And so then you I was a little so, bit disappointed. Oh no, no, no! It was it was stressing me. I was like, oh, okay. oh, I really don't want this to be a, a problematic okay. thing. Yeah. So I made 50 copies. I dropped them off at Sticky, Missing Link, Agogo, and Polyester. Yeah. And they all went. So I put out another 50 the next week, and then another 50 the next week, and then I took it up to like 75. And then I went up to 100, yeah. and then they all went, so I went up to 120, wow. and then 150, and then I got to 200, and 200's pretty much my capacity. Just, it depends what the design is. Some designs are more time-consuming than others, yep. but that's, I do 200 a week now. But they're distributed all around the world, so huh. they go through Melbourne, they go up to Sydney, Brisbane, Wagga Wagga, um... I go to San Francisco, Chicago, New huh. York, Toronto, um, Glasgow. Do to individuals or to other zine uh, stores or so some some zine stores, yeah. some zine distros like Monorail mm. Music, which is just a music store in Glasgow, Pioneers Press in the US, which is a kind of radical distro. Mm. They mm. stock it, so anything anyone who buys anything, they're happy to put one in the envelope and mm-hmm. it goes out with them. Yeah. Um, it's stocked at some cafe in Turku in Finland. Someone said they wanted it, so <laughs> they get it. <laughs> and because it's small, you know, it fits an envelope, it, yeah. and so I can send an envelope. If it's flat and it's under 250 grams, I can put, I do two weeks at a time, so you get two weeks issues of you, and then I fill the envelope up to 250 grams with everything else from Small Zine Volcano, and oh. can just send it out. It doesn't cost anything yep. to add them to, yep. the, to the envelope. Mm. So it just goes to, yeah, various, so there's a friend of mine, Dave, in Chicago, who it goes to, he does stuff with it, and then he goes to Quimby's, which is a, Quimby's is a great um, book and zine store in Chicago, and it, um, it's really interesting because it doesn't have a zine section. Mm. They have zines in all the sections all around the store. That's and it's this cool. big shop. So if you go to the yeah. cooking section, there's cookbooks, but there's cook zines as well. Yes. And, yeah, same. You go to the travel section, there's travel books, but there's travel zines. That's there. awesome. And they've got a new shop in New York City now as well, so it goes there in Brooklyn. Cool. It's good. And Printed Matter in Brooklyn, in New York. Mm. Um, Needles and Pens in San Francisco. Toronto Zine Library. And then, yeah, people will get in touch with me. They'll destroy it for a couple of years and uh-huh. then they'll, they'll move on and yep. it won't go there anymore. And was there a way that people, like in the early days when you were doing you, was there a way that they knew that you was like coming from Sticky Institute? No, no, definitely not. Okay. So it's all anonymous. I just it just says from Luke yep. on it. There's no contact details. Yep. There's not anything. So you you don't really hear back from people who've read it or no not much so it's re- it's interesting when i do so yeah. people will leave responses where they picked up the original copy that's cool and because i work at sticky i can get them yeah you know, and they don't know it's me which is nice and mm-hmm. if anyone thinks they know it's me i tell them it's this really tall guy <laughs> She's <laughs> really so, tall. So this is, is this letting like a cat out of the bag? Is this, oh no, I mean, is this an exclusive? It, yeah, it's a three CR exclusive. You can, you can say that. No, I've been kind of making it long enough that people have kind of figured that stuff out. But I don't. Tr- I try not to link it 
Two sticky institutions. Yeah, but it I talk about me. I talk about my partner. I talk about my kids. I'll talk about places. Mm. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't link it to there. Just to try and leave it yeah. a little bit kind yeah. of open. Yeah. And does it feel at all like um, exposing to talk about yourself and know that it's like all all the way out and around in the world? Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It, yeah, because mm-hmm. I do write. You know, I do write about some. Oh, I don't know if it's challenging, but quite personal stuff. Yeah. I, there was a there's a book just come out in the UK which had a chapter about it in there, and they were taught the person who wrote it was saying <laughs> that they'd picked up two issues a few years apart, yeah. and one of them was I documented the birth of my daughter right. during an issue, so it was really long. It was wow. like a 12 hour labour with wow. I was kind of writing lots of it, and then the next issue they picked up it was me at the doctor's having a vasectomy. <laughs> And so it was back to back, and that was the two that they got. So, and because there's no, there is no, there's no linear way that you could pick up every issue. Yeah. You just couldn't do that. But then you kind of come in and out of the project wherever it is. Yeah. And you get out of it, whatever you get out of it, Mm. I guess. But it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a tradition in zines that you do talk about some quite personal stuff. Like I stock at Small Zine Volcano, zine called $50 Minimum Mm. by Suburb Bob from Brisbane, and some weeks it is, really confronting you know what they're writing about and it's just wonderful that Mm. you know they can share those experiences with Mm. some audience Mm. out there yeah and yeah hopefully you can learn something from it yeah because i do think that that what is in a lot of zines the content and the topics are either topics that aren't expressed that way anywhere else or topics that you don't necessarily hear about I, th- I think that's when it's good. Yeah. I think a good zine does that. Yeah, yeah. If if it can be said somewhere else, mm. it probably should be said somewhere else. You don't need a zine to do No, that. you probably don't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, mm. if, if it's... I think it's the medium, but the whole medium is mm. that way. Like, a good zine really respects the medium of zines. Yeah. So, like, the worst zines that I've ever seen are blogs printed out onto pieces of paper yeah. and it's really disrespectful to blogs and it's really disrespectful to zines and it's you know it's like you can't just take the newspaper and say I'm going to write an opera yeah. and it's just going to be the newspaper although that I do quite like that having said that <laughs> yeah, that kind of yeah <laughs> that you, that's not that's not an opera yeah. just because you sing it that way yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you if you respect the medium of the zine like and the, and so the projects I work on really you know, mm. do do that. So mm. you can, and you can use that as the strength. So if you want to, you know, you can hand paint. Mm. It's a print run of 200. Yep. So people say, oh, but like no one's going to read that. There's only 200 made. But you can use that as a real strength. Mm. So you can do things to the bag, which someone who's making something with a larger print run can't even imagine yeah. ever doing. So the example yeah. I always think of is there was a great zine in kind of the, 2000s from Adelaide called West Side Angst, which was made by a guy called Yanto Ware, and mm. it was a great zine. He put out the first issue, and it you know it was kind of popular. Mm. But then for the second issue, he taped just some garbage to the front of it, and it had said on the front cover now with actual Adelaide garbage. And we just could not keep up with it. That's sticky. <laughs> it was like people, people just wanted this. And that's the same with the stuff we stock. Anything which could exist in a bookshop, 
it tends not to do very well mm. at our shop because the audience who comes there is looking for something different to yep. that. And so if you go to a bookshop, you might take $25 and you think you're going to buy a novel. Mm. Our audience seems to come with $5 mm. and they want to buy three zines and pick up two free zines. Mm-hmm. So then if you're going to pri- if you're going to make a full color zine mm. and you're going to charge $10 for it, mm. it tends to sit on our shelf for a long time because mm. the audience doesn't come yep. with that kind of expectation. Because there's, there's the DIY aesthetic that is like, this has been done myself yep. in my room. Yep. Yeah. And it creates this really kind of awkward thing. It's a lot, I mean, it's a lot like community radio. You'll have a yeah. band which will get played on VCR, yeah. maybe they get played on PBS, maybe yeah. they get played on Triple R. All of a sudden, if Triple J picks them up, no one in those yeah. other stations is going <laughs> to touch them. And that's just, that they're not going to touch them ever again, yeah. you know? They've kind of moved beyond that. Uh-huh. But then Triple J will only play them for one album, and yeah. if Triple M doesn't pick them up, then yeah. what do they do? So we yeah. get we end up with people who make zines with us for yeah. years, yeah. and they'll like make their first issue, which is photocopied, the content's terrible, the mm. photocopying's bad, they've chopped it off, they'll make good content for the second issue, maybe they have some full-color copies, it's yeah. all going well, yeah. maybe then later on, all of a sudden, they're doing perfect binding, yeah. and then they'll add the barcode, and at some point, it's like, hey, you, know, you can stock that in our zine shop anymore. Yeah. Like, you've got to take that to the bookshop now. Yeah. But their audience is, is kind of still here. Yeah. But we'd rather give that space to some 14-year-old who's starting out. So it's it's kind of good and bad at the same time. There yeah. is a point where we can't stock it anymore because yeah. you've become beyond what we do. Yeah. So, it's it, But the shop's interesting like that. Mm. Like, you can walk in and you can see on the shelf you know, a copy of an American zine Mm. by someone who's making this wonderful feminist zine. They've been making it for 25 years at the top of their game. It's great. Mm. And then next to that, there's some comic drawn by an eight-year-old about the pet dog going to the moon or whatever. (laughs) And they're put next to each other, and they're both $2, you know? And it's like, you can buy that one or you can buy that one. It's up to you. You know, what what, what do you like? What are you looking for? And it's so it's interesting when kind of student groups come through that we kind of, kind of try and frame it in comparison to like the National Gallery, for example, which is very geared towards excellence. Yes. And it's like, hey, we love excellence too, but we love complete garbage <laughs> as well. And we'd love to put them side <laughs> by side. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the eight-year-old doesn't make another scene ever again, yeah. or maybe they're so excited that it's beyond the shelf that this is going to be their life from now on. Yeah. And so the fact that you can support them both like that, it, I don't know, it shouldn't work. Yeah. It kind of just shouldn't work. Like you yeah. should have the good stuff there, but it's like, no, no, that's not how it works. No. Yeah. There's mm. something egalitarian about it because you don't have to have a publisher or have a big budget or anything like that. You can write anything in any way that you want. And you don't have to make many. Like You don't have to make a the, lot of them. We don't have to make hardly any. <laughs> if you make, cause the, thing, the thing that I learned is if you make one and put it on the shelf, we're so used to mass production now. It seems like right. it's you just assume yeah. there's more out there. Yes. And there's not. <laughs> You're the only one in existence. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's just one thing. But it just we're just so used to it. So the, yeah. the most expensive thing we ever had was a cassette, which had um, $10,000 or trade it had on the price tag. That's how much it cost. So if you wanted to buy it, it was ten grand, but you could trade for it. So someone traded it for a Mars bar. <laughs> And it was gone. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was beautiful. That's a ten thousand dollar. Yeah, it is. Cassette, yeah. It is. That's what they've got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you. So you must have seen a lot of people come into Sticky, and mm. I'm interested in 
what kind of impression do you get about how people make a decision about which zine to buy? Because there's so many awesome zines in there. Yeah, the yeah. best question I've ever had is this one uh-huh. <laughs> came in. Because you, you, get, you get strange people and strange questions, so it's good. But this woman said, oh, excuse me, do you have any zines about tanning? Tanning. Tanning, she oh, said. Tannin or t- no, tanning or tanning? Tanning. I had this conversation. I said that. So, no, <laughs> ta- what, what's that? <laughs> Not tanning. And I'm like, what? Like, is that like like skinning cows or something? Is that what oh, you mean? Right, is yeah. that what you mean? And she's like, no, no, like like solariums, you know, sun tanning. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I don't think we've got any zines about solariums and sun tanning. <laughs> but if you want to make one, yeah. I reckon there'd be a massive audience. Yeah, yeah, for it. And yeah. then it became illegal to have yeah. solariums. So now Whoa. there could be this whole underground scene. Slurring scenes, yeah. It could be happening. I love to think that it is, but we still haven't got them. It's uh. too underground for us, the solarium <laughs> They're just putting them in, like, beauty salons and some of that. I like to think so. I, I, think, I, I would like to make one one day, yeah. just to start that scene. Well, I have a confession. When I went in there, I asked you about, um, you may not remember, Ooh. but I asked you about zines about religion. And you Ooh, did say yes. that there was one. Yeah, who and, ended up and being someone I knew, was a friend of a friend. <laughs> I do remember that, yeah, and it yeah. was Andy Payne. Yes. Zines, uh, yes. Who has been um, an interviewee on this show. Oh, man, what yeah. a guy. Yeah, really, really fun to talk with him and Terry, who both were on a hitchhiking music <laughs> tour. <laughs> um, but then I went away and, and wrote one, but I haven't yeah. brought that in yet. But oh, yeah. we'll bring it in, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so, so that's what happens. You go into Sticky and you... And I think you probably said to me, like, well, look, we don't have them, but, you know, if you want to make one. Yeah, so yeah. I was yeah. like, you know what I do? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, well, that's always the response yeah. if we don't have it. Yeah. But, yeah, Andy's are the only ones I can think of. Yeah. So Andy Payne from Brisbane yeah. makes Christian music zines. Is yeah, yeah. And he's into sport as well. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> he covers all the ground. He made one, yeah. or was it, songs about football. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no religion in that one. It no, was just no. it was just songs about football. Yeah, it was good. A it's zine great. about songs about football. Was a zine, it? a zine all about songs about, about football. football. Yeah, cool. And it was yeah, it was great. This is the kind of stuff you can find at Sticky Institute. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, let's just take another little break. We'll hear some community announcements, and we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Dialogues on 3CR Community Radio. Every Wednesday night at midnight. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio celebrating 40 years of 3CR is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. Okay, you're back on 3CR and this is Dialogues. I'm Meg Kimber and I'm here in the studio with Luke Yu scene maker and coordinator at Sticky Institute and uh, 
a guy who runs a small zine distribution as well. Before we finish up, we're going to talk about a few of the things that are coming up in the next few months in Melbourne and around Australia for people who love zines. Yeah. But before we do, I wanted to ask you, um, what does the day-to-day running of Sticky actually look like? You must have a heap of volunteers that support that um, place to work. So there's three coordinators. Right. And then we usually have between 12 and 15 volunteers at any given time. Okay. So we break the day down into two shifts. You either work 12 to 3 or 3 to 6. We try and have two volunteers there at all times. Wow. And then each of the coordinators takes on a slightly different role. So you can kind of be looking at stocking new zines there, training new volunteers, Mm. Keeping their crazy volunteers in line, doing what they should be doing. But Hopefully they're listening now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, keeping them in line. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've just got to keep the shop open. So right. once they're sick, you've got to contact okay. everyone to get new people in. Yeah. And then, because we program and curate the Festival of the Photocopier, it's starting now this time of year planning for that. And just generally keeping the shop open mm. is kind of takes up most of our days yeah and yeah it's it's kind of a joy really it's never yeah. been a chore for me so right i've kind of been doing that for 17 years and it's uh-huh. when i don't enjoy it, i just won't do it anymore but i yeah still really like it yeah <laughs> and do you balance that out with doing your own zine um do you have a sort of a structure to how you break up your time so i i teach three days a week yeah and my zine comes out every Thursday, so yeah. I've just got to get it made for every Thursday. It just depends yeah. what the design is. So last week's was wrapped in my toilet paper packaging from the past 12 months. Nice. So I had to get that photocopied, folded, rubber yep. stamped. Yep. I had to use the toilet paper, but that took 12 months and <laughs> store it somewhere. depends what the design is, but it has to be out by 12 o'clock Thursday is my rule. So some weeks I'll be a little bit ahead. Yep. And then some weeks I'll just write it at um, 11.30 right. and it will come out. So if something big's happened, if yeah. I don't know, someone who means something to me has passed away, it might come out the day mm-hmm. of the news yeah and then it's kind of completely current yeah or sometimes it'll be written a couple of weeks in advance okay do you have a stock of them in advance so you don't miss a week some sometimes i'll have bags made up ready to go yeah and sometimes i'll be two or three weeks ahead with the letter uh yes i was three weeks ahead i've just caught up to that so i need to write something for thursday yeah and something always comes up yeah and you've never missed a week since 2001 uh, no, not, I've take, I take a week off at Christmas just because okay. Sticky's closed, so there's no, yep. it's like, I, the first couple of years I didn't, I, mm. I worked right through Christmas, mm. and then it was like, oh, I put them in, I put them at Sticky, and it was mm. like, oh, it was closed, <laughs> <laughs> no one came here, so then the next week I put the next one there, and it was like, yeah, I might take a week off, <laughs> yeah. I might take a week off, but no, it's, so I had a launch of issue number 850 at the Canberra Writers Festival last okay. year. Okay, yeah. And I'm kind of giving up. I've got a split issue of You and Rut launching at Sticky as part of the Fringe Festival this year. So there is kind of different, you know, I'll do kind of special issues sometimes. So that one's coming up. That's a CD, which is a recording of me and Bianca, who makes Rut, we're each reading back issues of our zine. Cool. And we just had an issue come out in Japanese a couple of weeks ago. So we did a project for the Emerging Writers Festival where we translated 
five zines from Melbourne into Japanese, and mm. they came out in both English and Japanese. So each issue's, you know, going to be kind of different. Some of them, like that one, like I wrote that one six months before it came out, but usually it's mm. more kind of six hours yeah. <laughs> before, which is good. I like to keep it kind of current. You know? It feels fresher, doesn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah you just, it happens, yeah. you write it, you put it out, yeah. it's out there. Uh, my, my ultimate is when it's still hot. And it's gone in the bag oh, hot the copy, and yeah. someone's picked it up. Yeah. And they open the bag. It's warm. It's warm, yeah. It's like, oh my God, this has just been made. Like buying bread. It is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like it when I can do that, but I don't, that kills me some weeks. So I don't always try and do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's quite a few different things that you're juggling because there's also the distribution. Um, yeah, so sending out zines. Yep. So, yeah. I, but that, I mean, you know, people just order them online. Yeah. They go out. And I think all the stuff, I think really the, the zine structure I've used as the basis for all the projects I work on in my life. Right. So if, if I stopped enjoying making, you know, I've done nearly 900 issues of you. If I didn't enjoy any more, I would literally just stop it and just yeah. walk away. But I yeah. absolutely love it. So mm. when I'd been making it for about 18 months, my partner said to me, she looked me dead in the eye. Because when I started, I, you know, I, I just had, you know, I did 50 I just bought some bags and some envelopes and I could put them in a drawer. Yeah. And then I started buying a few more. <laughs> and then I went to the party supply store on my bike one day and it was like, wow. <laughs> and I bought enough to put in a, in my basket. And then I went back to the party store with a big backpack and I bought more bags and I put them in there and the thing. And then, I looked um, online and found that there was a wholesale party supply store in Tullamarine. <laughs> and I, dr- I drove there and filled up my car. So all of a sudden it was... Snowballing. And I really like to work at home. I don't yeah. want to get a studio. I yeah. like to work at home. I yeah. fold stuff in front of the TV. Yeah. And so she said to me, how long is this going to go for? <laughs> and I hadn't thought about it. And I'd been making it for 18 months, two years. And I looked her dead in the eye and I said... I don't think I'm going to stop. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to stop. And she just kind of nodded. And she asked me again last week. Wow. She said, so how long is this going to go for? Is it like another ETA, like a, the ending? I said I want to go, I want it to go right through till I die. Wow. Like I really would like to do that. What do you think it is that motivates you to, like obviously like you, you keep enjoying it. Does it? Well, it kind of, because it links to the previous week, what I really yeah. like. And then sometimes I'll invite other people to write as well. Yeah. So if other yep. people write, it kind of brings, it's just usually it's just people I meet. Yeah. There have been a couple of like celebrities who've written for it that are not friends Celebrity of mine. Celebrity guest stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually it's just people I know. So yep. I'll just ask someone I know. I really like it if they're not an artist or not a writer that kind of works best for me yeah i'll just say look this is what i do this is what and people are they respond well to it because most people are comfortable writing a two-side a4 letter they're fine yep. with the format you know if yep. you said i want you to write a 500 word short story for me that'd yeah. freak out but it's yep. like no just want you to write two sides a4 it can be about anything what you had for breakfast is absolutely fine yep. um and so then they'll do it and that just kind of brings in another aspect but i like mm-hmm. it when i can link to previous issues. Yeah. So, like, I started playing the saxophone about 18 months ago, wrote about that. Right. And then if it, there's been a development with right. that, I can bring that to it. It's almost week. like a serial in a way. Like yeah, 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 it works. Yeah. It works like that. Yeah. And sometimes it breaks and there's some other strange person who writes something strange, but then it comes back. Yeah. And you can come in and out, so someone might pick it up now. I do meet 
more and more people who will say, oh, does that, is that still around? I used to pick that up in Sydney in like 2002 and I, I read it for, you know, like a good six month chunk <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. here it is, it's still here yeah. and they're kind of like, oh, that's, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of interesting and they'll say, oh, and they were doing this and it's like, oh yeah, now they're doing this. Oh, but it, this, the line kind of does, it does run through. And then the design, because one of the things I realised with it was, because I, when I started making zines, I started so working collaboratively with my drunk teenage friends. They were willing to get drunk and pass bits of paper around. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to photocopy them bits of paper, they weren't into it at all. Mm-hmm. And when That's it came pain. Oh, they didn't. Yeah. yeah, and I really enjoyed that okay. stage. Yep. And then when it came to collating it, they mm. really weren't into it. Right. And I was playing in a band at the time and we'd go to a rehearsal room and they'd be setting up the amps and the drum kit and I'd be setting up my table <laughs> and putting out my zines ready to collate. And yeah. so at that point I realised, oh, this, maybe this I'm, I'm at. Yeah. yeah, this is, maybe I'm more into this than this music thing over yeah, here. Yeah, maybe yeah. this is what, yeah. what I like to do. And I really like to make the covers of yeah. the zines. That yeah. was just something I loved. So with a weekly zine, I get to make the cover every week. Right. I get to make the content, but the content's not huge. It's not overwhelming. Because mm. it, when it becomes huge, it starts, to become a chore for mm. me it's like oh no I've got a hundred pages yeah. it's like this is just going to be two pages so yep. it's everything I like yep. so really the whole project is geared around that it's my it's what I do for fun yep. it's what I enjoy to do so it's never a chore so and once it is a chore it. I just wouldn't do it so this is this is my last question before we talk about some of the stuff that's coming oh, yes. out yep. um, zines have writing and um maybe autobiographical writing, maybe political writing, mm-hmm. but lots of zines also have images and what, like, kind of, like, either doodlings or some art that's really um, quite refined and, and and uh, you know, seems well-skilled. Um, is it... What do you think about how zines sort of, like, balance between the visual expression and the kind of written expression? Yeah, it's it's case by case. Mm. A really good one, a good example is a zine from England called Rum Lad, right. which is a punk zine in comic format with lots of text. Yeah, and right. his drawing skills, Steve Larder makes yeah. it, his drawing skills are amazing, right. but the text is really interesting yeah. and he writes about things that I find interesting, but it's really beautiful at the same time. So he kind of gets gets the balance He's right. He's got both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, yeah. you do see a lot of both. Yep. And you do see some really skilled artists, and then you see people who just make it work yep. because they just experiment with the layout, and it, it kind of happens. And yep. I, I kind of move, lean more towards that. Yeah. I like people who don't have great drawing skills, but yep. they still... Yeah. manage to put something together that's beautiful and communicates something. Yeah. And that's what I kind of get excited about. Yes. Like you said before, if people are at that level of being publishable in professional format, then they're not necessarily going to be in a zine setting. They, I, I do like people who do both. Yeah. But some of that work is probably not going to fit a zine format. Yeah. Like there's people like HTML Flowers in Melbourne who've come up from, you know, making kind of, I guess, scrappier photocopied zines to yeah. becoming, 
you know, kind of the mixing, like Simon Hanselman's the classic example in Melbourne. You know, he's okay. signed to Fantagraphics now. He has a five-book deal in America and tours the world as this kind of comic superstar. You know, he started out in Tasmania 10 years ago. Does he represent yeah. where I'm from? Oh, just amazing. Yeah, you know, awesome. he started out doing these scrappy comics, moved to Melbourne, was stocking stuff with us, and just kept kind of on this amazing trajectory where wow. he's wildly successful. So people often come in the store and ask that. They're is, like, is that going to happen to me? Well, is this, is this a stepping stone? Right. And generally, I say, if you try and use zines as a stepping stone, your zines are going to stink yeah. and you're not going to get anywhere because people don't want to be treated as a stepping stone. Yeah. So if you don't enjoy making this work, you'd rather be doing something else. Generally, it doesn't work as a zine because yeah. you should just be doing something else. Do the other thing. Yeah, so yeah. The, the ones which are really successful embrace the medium, do what it allows them to do and be happy with yeah. that because then if you try and take that medium onto a larger scale it's probably not going to work mm. anyway mm. so but he yeah so html flowers is someone who does still make photocopied work which he comes into sticky and photocopies all the time cool. um and he does publish stuff in these kind of other things so he's someone who's kind of got it Mm. got it going on which some people want some people don't want yeah. it's just interesting to see yeah. how everyone does it i guess um and if so if people are listening and they want to get some zines in their hands oh yes <laughs> yes so come to sticky anytime we're open wednesday thursday friday saturday 12 to 6 12 to 5 saturday just come and get lots of freezing. You don't have to spend any money. Just yeah. go to the front of the shop, pick up loads of freezings. Or if you search for Small Zine Volcano, we'll send you as many freezings as you can handle. That is so Ten awesome. bucks <laughs> would get you a massive box of freezings. That would be good. Um, so we've got Sticky is just winding up an exhibition at the City Library. Small Zine Volcano has an exhibition called 100,000 Zines at the City Library, Flinders Lane, Melbourne, right through August. Mm-hmm. Um, Sticky will be tabling at the Zine and Indie Comics Symposium in Brisbane oh. at the end of August. Cool. We'll be going up for the This Is Not Art Festival in Newcastle, New South Wales, nice. in October, September. And also in September, we're going to Wollongong for the second big zine fair up there. Awesome. Our zine fair, the Festival of the Photocopier Zine Fair, will be running February the 10th. We are the, art, what are we, artistic supervisors or something on this amazing touring exhibition called self-made which was at the state library victoria last year it's currently at mildura and then it moves to murray bridge in south australia after that then it moves to toowoomba queensland after that cool so and that's a great so that's all zines from the state library zine collection so they have a collection of zines throughout Oh, my God, they have an amazing zine collection. So we run a tour of the zine collection as part of our festival every February, and it's a really amazing collection in that it's stored, it's like in a climate-controlled space on tram, in in containers on tram tracks, and you have to put on your white gloves, (laughs) and librarians go berserk because it is stored chronologically. (laughs) So if it was donated in August 1996... You go to the August 1996 box, wow. you pull it out, and you can look at what zines look like then, and they change quite dramatically over awesome. time. So we had the Melbourne poet Pi O come and speak at Sticky a while ago about the history of photocopiers in oh, Melbourne. Whoa. 
and he's in his 70s and he worked in the public service his whole working life and was working as an anarchist poet kind of during that time but he has a collection of zines which were made just because before that they were all done on like spirit duplicators so with that purpley tinge yeah and then when photocopiers came in there was this six month window when people thought photocopying was exotic (laughs) and they used the photocopying as the front cover and had the spirit duplicated pages inside. Oh, wow. And then after six months, they realized, no, no, you need to photocopy the inside. <laughs> That's the point of the Yeah, movie. spirit duplicate the outside. <laughs> so he's got this six-month window of zines, which are all wow. kind of inside out. Wow. And, yeah, they look kind of really weird. <laughs> but that... That's that, in the self-made tour? Or um, no, they're just in his collection. bedroom, oh. under, under his bed, <laughs> as part of his collection. In the self-made, though, it's all zines from the State Library Zine okay. Collection. Wow. So they they started those in collection like 20 years ago, but people donate huge collections to them all the time. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, when I was in Wagga Wagga for the zine fair about six months ago, Jessie Lim, who's an academic who wrote her PhD on zine libraries, she gave a talk and she just brought up image after image of zine libraries. Wow. So it started off with an image of the State Library Victoria collection in the climate controlled white glove kind of space. And then it cut to this punk basement somewhere in America where everything's in milk cartons yeah. and, you know, the roof's kind of leaking. <laughs> and then it cuts to like the Toronto Zine Library, which is amazing. But again, similar to Sticky, it's run on the smell of an oily rag. Like last time I was there, there was a hole in the roof mm. and it was snowing and it was coming in and it was like, not on the paper like not the zines and it's so you've got that kind of space and then you've got the octopod zine library in new, in new south wales and newcastle which is just kind of these big drawers on wheels and then nothing's catalogued like you just got to kind of dig yeah, through right. it and yeah. you know and everyone's got their collections at home you know yeah. how do people keep them like mine's just a mess in these cardboard boxes in the garage but some people are organized and they can find stuff and, you know, every zine library is different. So I run a zine library at my school where oh, I work. Cool. So that's called the Bass Camp Zine Library, and it's just running a bass guitar case in my <laughs> printmaking studio. And it's great. You know, the kids pick up stuff and look awesome. at it. But with the State Library collection, it's really good to look back because when I started reading zines in the early 90s, they were all A3 folded to A4, mm. and there were music zines. That was mm. what it was. Mm. And a lot of that work went online because it was kind of information-based. You could find out about new releases and upcoming shows. Mm. That was, But once the internet was there, you didn't really need zines for that anymore. So you went online for your information and you went to zines for something else. Mm-hmm. And so it still works. And it did really, really work. Because mm. well, my work's not kind of digital in any way, I kind of totally bought the story that you know, when we opened Sticky in 2001, it was like zines weren't going to exist in another two years because everyone was going to be kind of shopping completely online. Mm. And all it did was allow all the zine makers to connect. Mm. And so all of a sudden, everyone, rather than waiting three months to get your post back from Finland to find out what mm. was happening, mm. you could, you just knew when the zines were coming out, you could order them straight away. They'd yeah. be with you in a week mm. and everyone could talk to everyone else mm. and the scene just kind of flourished instead mm. of dying and it's been good times ever since. <laughs> awesome. And on that note, 
We'll have to wind up, even though I still am thinking of more things that we could talk about. Oh, man, I'll come in next week. But yeah. And the week after. <laughs> the week after that. <laughs> really encourage people to look at, go and check out Sticky Institute. It's so much fun and so inspiring. And I'm really pleased to be able to have talked with you today, Luke. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah.